this week on Podcast 17. We talk about slums too, lots of Valve news, and have a pretty good discussion about feasibility of racing games. So stay tuned to Podcast 17. August 9th, we got a very special episode because we have Matthew Dryden literally in the house. Hey guys, how you doing today? He is at my apartment. This is like the first real, I don't know, what would you call it? Like a, a loving of the health life to uh, Yeah. <laughs> I'd call it a love story really between two men. <laughs> but also we have Emmanuel and Dave Drager from ModDB. Hello guys. Sup yo? <laughs> That was kind of gay, actually. Sup, yeah, you. <laughs> Hi, Emmanuel. Hello. How are you feeling? Do you, do you, what's that? This episode will be shrouded in bromance. <laughs> yeah, this, the theme of this episode is just good old-fashioned love between two men. Maybe we can get Matthew to do one of his poems. What? Man, if he's love. doing his, I'm doing mine. That's, <laughs> that's how it's going to work. A lot of people don't know it, but Matthew's a poet. Oh, oh shit. I know it. Don't ever but Emmanuel's a battle rapper. <laughs> Yikes. True. A lot of people don't know it, but William likes old school hip hop. I do. Yeah. Maybe we can mm. play some of that too. Maybe we can just not talk about Half Life for the rest of the podcast and just talk about That's poetry it. and hip hop. So, so tell us about that uh, play you saw last night with the naked ladies. Oh, jeez. I'll let Matt. You're a little um, bit more articulate than I am. <laughs> Well, we went down. We went on this underground studio theater, and I think there was maybe twenty to thirty people there. And slowly, right coming in, they told us to show up at eight. Started at nine thirty, typical artists. And then this Russian guy comes up on stage, and all the lights are off, and he's in um, a spotlight held by a girl sitting cross-legged in the front. And he starts talking in Russian, and someone's translating for him. And he goes on for about 10-15 minutes about how the play, he's trying to explain the reasons why the play is going to include nudity. As in all the models will be models, yeah I say models, (laughs) and actors will be nude. Everybody, nude. Everybody. That's just the start of it. (laughs) And then then he leads a donkey in. (laughs) (laughs) And that's when shit gets wild. Actually, the the, fun really starts. In all fairness, there was an actor dressed up as a cat. That's One true. of them was Death, and another another actor had the baby twice and then dropped it. And then dropped it. Yeah. Twice. Which was interesting. It was Hang on, up. wait. Was the person who was dressed like a cat also naked? Like, yes. for example, if it was a male, did it have fur and a penis? I believe so. I don't think it was a male though. The cat, the cat was an actress. Oh, well, that's yeah, that's okay then, because that would have been weird, just like fur everywhere and then a penis just <laughs> sitting there. Anyway, let's like go on with the show. It was about, uh, it was just basically about depression, I think, and the stages of depression. Yeah, that was the... It was messed up. It was probably... Oh, right, there was a point to it, yeah. Yeah, there was some sort of point mixed within the boobies and vaginas. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> oh, shit. All right, anyway, we should get on with the episode, and I guess uh, topping it off this week is... We don't have any Podcast 17 news, but uh, Emmanuel, do you have anything to apologize for? Uh, do we get any complaints? 
Have you insulted any races of people lately? <laughs> I've tried to keep it on the down low. Really? I mean, I don't have any apologies. But Wait, I, is, I, is that the, uh, the order from the judge? Or? No. That's just me being a good person, because I am a good person. Under, under it all. <laughs> Why should Emmanuel apologize to you? Just, just to cover his bases. <laughs> I apologize to any affiliations, nationalities, genders, races, types of people, religions, or um, sexual orientations. Right from here on out. Canadians within the last week. Yeah, but I mean that's that's too easy. <laughs> you should apologize for that. <laughs> All right, I guess we can move on. Um, Emmanuel, why don't you hit us up with uh, straight from the mouth of Valve? I don't want to. You don't want to? No. Okay, well then I guess I'll do it. Douche I want to do releases. Okay, I'll do it. Okay, well, early of the week, um, I guess the top thing that came out was the new Left 4 Dead DLC was released. Crash Course Campaign. And, uh... Wait, was it, or was it this week? Not, not released, but announced, I should say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say. No, no, no. It hasn't released yet. Yep. Um, Destructoid has a little piece on it, and they played through the campaign, and they were kind enough to give their impressions, and um, is it just a half an hour long? Because that's kind of lame. I'm not sure how long it is. It's gonna sell on uh, the Xbox 360 for seven bucks. Of course. Well, the, the thing that gets me is that uh, they um, they kind of described it as you can play the versus mode in short bursts, short half an hour bursts, and I was thinking. Really? It, is it going to be that quick? That means the campaign is... You're able to finish a campaign in, what, 15 minutes? Because if that's the case, you have to play both sides. Keep like in mind, once, though. Right? So that's, like, twice the beta, minute. though, right? So, I mean, they're still trying to figure out... Maybe, like, fixing one thing in the map will take it, make it take that extra 10 to 15 minutes. Hmm. You, could, well, you could play through No Mercy and... What, 45 minutes to an hour? Yeah, but that's, you know, that's five maps. That's five campaigns. So... I don't, I don't know. I think Valve would keep it like a five-map campaign, though. You know what I mean? I, mm. I haven't read the Destructoid sort of preview, so maybe it's in there, but I'm sort of, like, looking for any numbers or anything like that. I'm not picking anything up. Well, keep in mind, the campaigns already are only 30 minutes long. It depends on how you play them. If you rush through them, it'll take you 20 minutes. If you go through and try and get headshots and play as a team, it'll take, you know, 45 to an hour. Is anybody actually looking at the poster? If, if you look at the poster for uh, Crash Course, Zoe looks 100% different. Dude, Zoe looks different in every single poster I see her in. That's messed up. Honest to God. Like, it's kind of like... Like, I don't know, Zoe looks like she's been hit by the ugly branch in that one. <laughs> It does. it does. She has this little grin on her face. It's really messed up. Man, I've seen I've seen Zoe naked with the bouncing boobies and everything. Like, in comparison yeah. to the picture I saw on that, I was just like, uh, really? <laughs> really? I don't, I don't see where you're getting these. Oh, Planet Half Life. Yeah. Oops. You, you just clicked the little image for the uh, the campaign poster. You can take a look. Oh yeah, and the and the campaign posters. Yeah, they always look different. She looks like uh, what's her name from Beetlejuice now. Oh, like uh, Leda or Leda or yeah, I can't remember. Her name this what it, so Crash Corps actually it looks alright, and I told you they were going to release some DLC and they did. So yeah. how does you know what I find funny though is that they're trying to string the two together now. 
What, you mean Left 4 Dead 2 and Left 4 Dead? No, no, no. They're stringing uh, all the campaigns together. Oh, really? That's what this crash course is. It's like from No Mercy, you get on the helicopter, it crashes, and then you go to Death Toll. Hmm, okay. Interesting. That's what they're trying to do with Left 4 Dead 2, though. That's the whole point of the DLC, to combine the campaigns together to give a more narrative-based thing. That's pretty yeah. cool, though. But I don't know. Isn't like I said, isn't wasn't that the the crux of Left 4 Dead 2? Like, why are they doing that with Left 4 Dead? Mm. You can imagine yeah, if I think survivors it's a... from Left 4 Dead 2 accidentally killed survivors from Left 4 Dead 1, yeah. and then they carried on the story. <laughs> the Maybe dude. that's what it is. The boycott is failing miserably. Like the Left 4 Two. Uh, boycott group had more people than the Left 4 Dead 1 regular group but it still has no momentum it's just okay Emmanuel how many games do you own and how many games groups do you join for every game that you own it's like Uh... they sold so many copies of Left 4 Dead 1 it's like saying the group on Steam on the Steam community is like I'm just saying well, you got to admit, like a lot of those, um, a lot of those uh, people that joined are people that just make accounts to join that account to boost the number. I mean, go have a look at the uh, last logged, the the latest. I mean, the last time someone logged on in that group, and you'll see the numbers quite clearly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah I, I sort of agree with you, Dave, on that. Still, though, it's it's how I feel. By the way, while we're talking about uh, Left 4 Dead, can I just say here that uh, I finally got around to playing some custom campaigns the other day? Yeah, and how'd you like it? How do you like the system, mainly? Well, I found a really annoying issue. Like, okay, there's two major sites that do these uh, mods, or these map packs, and uh, one is Left 4 Dead mods and one is Left 4 Dead maps. Yep. If you download a mod, uh, a version of the map from Left 4 Dead maps, it's named differently to the download from Left 4 Dead mods. So when you're trying to play with someone who downloaded from Left 4 Dead mods and you downloaded from Left 4 Dead maps, you won't be able to join a game that they create. See, that's retarded. I get all my stuff from Left 4 Dead maps, I think. Mm. I think so. so yeah, I do. we... That is a really stupid, simple issue. Yeah, it seems like it, for sure. Like, I can, understand, I can understand like why they made it, like the VBK files... Holy shit, like, that, like, is, like, easy to install. Like, I was thinking, okay, got to find the folder, blah, 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 and then uh, the guy that I was playing with was just like, no, dude, just double-click it. I was like, wait, what? That's what I told him. Emmanuel thought he had to put it in the folder, too, when we were playing Left 4 Dead campaigns. I was like, no, you just double-click it. Like, that's fucking sweet. Yeah, but the naming, the naming convention, totally stupid. If we spend another moment on Left 4 Dead, I might kill myself. Okay, let's move on. Um, so let's go to TF2 closed beta information. This yes. actually is really cool. Yeah, because we don't you don't see a lot of, um, I guess, a lot of professional development teams um, having a closed beta with sort of the professional scene. What Valve is doing is they're uh, taking TF2 into a closed beta, trying to... Uh, what they say is they're aimed at filling a hole in TF2's iterative development model. So they're trying to balance out a lot of the game mode. But instead of bringing in people internally from their own studio, they're actually bringing in 
um, the top clans, the top groups within the TF2 community, which is actually pretty interesting. So like the actually, actually these um the, what they're trying to do, they're trying to gear the upgrade system to competitive play. Right. Essentially, is what William is trying to say. Right. Well, Mumbo I think Jumbo it's, big I, I think it's yeah. awesome. I'm I love seeing. I I don't care about TF2's competitive play. I just like the idea that they're actually paying attention to it, and going in and giving the competitive um, side of things an opportunity to give their feedback. If they had done that for us when I was playing Counter-Strike Pro, I would have loved it. You know, um, the, the, the one thing that they point out, which I found kind of odd, is that um, the, uh, the Sandman, I think it's called, the one with the ball and bat for the scout upgrade, uh, that's actually a banned weapon in competitive play. Yes, and I was just is. thinking, like, is it really that, that different? Like, is it is it really screwing up the game that much for competitive play? I talked talk to a couple people who play, like, competitive Team Fortress, um, mainly, like, Team Fortress 2 Fort, if anybody's heard of that community. Um, and they are fairly upset with the upgrades and sort of the uh, the additions that Valve has sort of added. And they've made... Girati! What's that? Yeah, go on. I just said Girati. Yeah. Go on. Well, like, like you said, the Sandman, they... They disable the Sandman and all their servers. They think it's ridiculous. Um, what does the Sandman do? It's though, isn't that the one where you throw the ball up in the air and he hits the ball with the bat and it knocks him unconscious? Yeah, it, it um, basically it hits people and um, a lot of people use it to stop Uber charges, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think. Do you think Valve's doing the right thing in terms of uh, getting the competitive? Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, um, I think it's kind of a waste of time because in the end, you know, they're just going to cut shit if they don't like it from competitive play. So there's no point gearing it to a minority. I think they should gear the experience towards people who are going to play the game for fun, not for, you know, internet EP. That's true. And whatnot. So, but that's just my opinion. But, you know, is, is the TF2... Um, is the TF2 uh, community for competitive play that large? Is it really that large? I think it's gone down, but we're recently... It's, it's, the TF2 com pro community, I know, is, is kind of growing or kind of leveled out. But I think, I think it's good for developers to do this because take, um, take a mod like Neo Tokyo. Neo Tokyo is absolutely god-awful for competitive play. I've been following the forums that um, they have set up and like, somehow I knew you were going to bring that up, but anyway. Why, why is it bad for uh, why is it bad for competitive um, play? The ghost has random spawning, um, so it could either spawn closer to you or closer to them. And for competitive play, um, it makes for a lot of turtling. So because if you have the ghost on your side, you can pick it up and then just kind of turtle, and because the round match base. Um, if you, you win based on how many players you have left in the map. Mm. So I think if Neo Tokyo were to take the people who are trying to, trying to play this competitively, brought them into the closed betas and said, okay, help us fix it, it might work a lot better. And help, help grow their, their um, competitive community. Because people are trying to do it, they just can't do it very well right now. I'm sorry, but I think, I think presidents should be given to pub play. And oh, then I the think 2% so of people and that's what Dave was saying. Dave was trying to say. What's mm. that? 
I, I was saying, I think that's what Dave was trying to say. Presidents should be given to public play. Yeah, yeah. And, but, I mean, they shouldn't forget their, their competitive players either, so maybe add server variables. When, we were, when I was doing Pro, we, we always thought that they should give... Um, the default uh, refresh rate on server should be higher and uh, recoil should be lowered for Counter-Strike Pro. And we always thought that, but they never did it. Or just some server variable in general to make it better. Yeah, uh, yeah and now that you bring it up, um, uh, over the past few days I've actually been playing uh, Day Defeat Source. And uh, there's a big difference between a vanilla server and a server geared towards realism. And I can honestly say I muchly enjoy the realism. <laughs> version of the dodd source which is like um you know you can only have so many mgs you can only have so many snipers right. you can um you know if you get hit by a grenade you walk slow you know shit like that really and it's just just makes the game so much better and it's not like run in get headshot spawn run in get headshot spawn run in get headshot spawn so um <clears throat> but with uh with near tokyo i mean that, that, that's simply an easy fix, though. They can they can like, the Okay, game. the competitive... Yeah, I know. I mean, with competitive play with Neo Tokyo, it's like... I mean, the game is designed around this one thing. And it's almost like saying, uh, we want you to change the game because we don't like the way that it's built. Well, the thing is, if that's the case, you need to design competitive play around the game that's built. I mean, you shouldn't expect developers to just go, oh, shit, sorry. <laughs> totally forgot about itself, those competitive guys. The game itself, you, when you, when you're, your, your key goal is to camp all doors and just kind of stay in your base and make sure none of your players get killed when the actual goal of the game is to get across the map to capture the ghost, then there's a problem. So no, there's no, there's no need to capture the ghost. I mean, if you're holding it and the, t the round ends, that's as good as, as capturing it, in my opinion. L let me let me make a juxtaposition for just a second. In Formula One, they have something called the the FIA administration, and their job is to make sure that all the tracks they go to throughout the year are top quality, top notch, they're safety regulated, et cetera, et cetera. So really, Cal and the CPL, when it used to be around, and all these leagues should be doing their job in trying to provide a competitive alternative to these games for the for the teams, but they're not. So really, we're not blaming Valve or, or whatever game developers are making their games. We should be blaming Cal and all these other TWLs and whatnot. But Cal can only go so far with the things available to them. So you're like just blaming it. the quality assurance teams, <laughs> the beta yeah. testers. Let's just blame God. He's got a hand in this. <laughs> you, you, can, you can lend them yours, Matt. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. They can have mine. <laughs> Actually, they can have them, yeah. <laughs> Actually, um, now that we're talking about this, um, there has been one mod that has done competitive play really, really well. I'd like to have a guess, Smash Will. You, yeah, it's a Half-Life 2 mod. Just have a guess. Smashball? No. Oh, I thought you were going to bring up no, Smashball. No, Smashball doesn't do it really uh, no. well either. I hate Smashball. Go on, keep guessing. Come on, have a guess. Why, why, why do you hate Smashball? I just don't like sports games. It's not my thing. Have you ever played rugby? No, I've seen rugby matches. Anyway, Dave, I don't know. I can't think of anybody. Maybe like maybe. <sighs> jailbreak like... source, man. Oh, jailbreak Come source. On. That's true. Yeah, okay. I can yeah, see that's that. That's 100% true. Jailbreak source yeah. does everything right, in my opinion. <laughs> 
Last yeah, man, I, I, I still can't believe they went with a running joke on a podcast for their main theme of the game. That just fucking blew me away. <laughs> Talking about running jokes, did you see, like, um, the Katana a couple weeks ago in the Killing Floor? How'd you like that? <laughs> Dave? Oh, we knew it was coming. Yeah, we knew it was coming. <laughs> okay, I just say, having, having played Killing Floor, I don't see the big deal. It's not that good. I love Killing Floor. We've been playing it a lot recently. What baffles me is that they sat down to make Killing Floor and they said, no, 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 let's not use one of the greatest engines ever made. Let's forget completely Unreal Tournament 3. Let's just go use the Unreal Tournament 2004 engine, which is now five years old. And It's actually 2.5, just say no. Ooh, that's, that's still not 3, though. Am I right? Dude, okay. Here's the, here's the skinny. Intra... Um, Interwave, actually, not Interwave, what are they called? Oh, God, I can't remember who they are now. The company that uh, purchased the rights to port over on uh, Killing Floor from Alex, the guy who made it, which is the original mod developer, um, owns the rights to use that said engine because they won it in the uh, Make Something Unreal contest with oh, that's uh, the right. orchestra. Otherwise, yeah, because they, um, they're the Red Orchard dudes, right? Some, yeah, they are. So Unreal Tournament 3 would cost them like, oh, I don't know, maybe an arm, a leg, and their grandma <laughs> to purchase. That's a good so, point. I never thought of it that way. How much do you so what, you're, so yeah, what you're saying is that they're using the engine because it's cheap? It's free. No, I'm saying they're using the engine because the game was originally based around that and they ported it over and made it more viable to a consumer market. Okay, well... We all know that people. games that are worried about pricing usually don't end well, so... Killing Floor is doing pretty good. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. This isn't a Killing Floor. Killing Floor beat Valve. With How did it beat Valve? Oh, you think they so? did, man. They made a fuck ton of money. If I was in Alex's shoes right now, I would be a very happy man. There's no mm -hmm. way they made money. I mean... Did they really make a lot of money on Killing Floor? Are you killing me? Oh, kidding dude, me? I see tons of people playing Killing Floor. They made so much money on that. That that actually makes me angry in, in a bad way. Dude, it's a mod that went through so many hard yards, so many revisions. It's been around for God knows how long. It's been around since before just about all the popular Half-Life 2 mods that you guys take for granted nowadays. It didn't come it out is... before for Dead, did it? Yes, it fuck. Yeah, it's a mod, point. man. It's been out for like since two thousand and fucking three, almost. I think. Really? Dude, yes. I am out of the loop. Hey, man. I remember when it's I okay. went on the, when I went on the modcast the first time, the very first time you guys were talking about Killing Floor, and I immediately bought the Unreal pack on Steam. Mm -hmm. so I, I made you buy it to to play it. I remember awesome. that. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. We've Wait, no, let's not move on. I want to talk about how much I hate Killing Floor. No, I like Killing Floor. But like I said, I'm I'm sorry, I will say I that if they did Killing Floor in the Unreal Tournament, I mean on the Unreal 3 engine, I probably would love it. Yeah. Why? I'll say that. Because everything because would then look it would be really crazy. responsive and look really yeah. good and the netcode would be better and I'm not I would just that. love it. It'd be the same gameplay though, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you think? No, you. For me, for someone like me, the engine makes or breaks a game. Is half the reason I even tolerate in that, in some of these mediocre Half-Life 2 mods is because the engine is so good. Like Slums 2. All right, we'll get to that later. But go on. Yeah. Okay. Last on uh, straight from another Valve is um, Gabe Newell supporting deaf gamers. This has been something that was really interesting towards the uh, later part of this week. 
Um, quoted from Half-Life2.net, a young gamer who was deaf went to Valve for a tour. Gabe took the time to sit down with them, um, watch the videos, and be amazed. At one point, they tell Gabe that uh, that he should add a feature into gaming so that deaf users could tell others, um, tell others as they are playing. Anyway, so that deaf users can use the player, use the game. The main thing you get from these videos is that Valve cares about the uh, about the gamer and the community. So if you watch these videos, uh, more specifically like the later parts, you'll see that uh, Valve is actually going to implement some sign language into episode three, which is isn't that so cool? Which is really interesting. Um, Gabe hypothesized that potentially he he sort of went into some canon and he said Alex and Dog, um, I, th I think it was they. They were in some sort of uh, covert situation, and they couldn't actually speak to each other. That would be. I think the canon goes: Alex had a friend oh, who okay. created Dog, who was basically um, deaf, and uh, she learned sign language, and uh, Dog. Dog was Dog programmed to learn sign language so that they could uh, talk to this person. But they also used it covertly in operations when they needed to talk to each other without right. alerting the combine. I just have bad. to say, I mean, I hate tooting Valve's horn as much as we do. This is a Half-Life podcast after all, so I guess get over it. But it, I just found it so cool that, you know, there was a translator there and Gabe was, you know, chatting with the guy and, and now he's going to implement some particular feature. I just love hearing stuff like this. I don't know why. You know what's interesting? Um, what's interesting is that this is really the first piece of news for a long time that we've heard about Episode 3. It's something so far out left field that nobody expected, like, Val, the very first piece of news that we've been waiting for, for episode three to be sign language. You know what I want to say? Multiplayer games where you can convert your voice, your VoIP, into sign language. Really? Mm, then we'd all have to learn second. sign language. No, no you can turn it on for the deaf people. Oh, oh so okay. When okay. someone's talking over VoIP, it's like hand language. Let me just say, as someone who likes tactical games, I think it would be incredibly awesome if ga in games like Arma 2 and um, Neo Tokyo, where Bitch, you... you don't play Arma 2. Yes, I do. Yeah, I play Arma 2 all the time. I'm playing the demo right oh. now. So, like, oh, yeah, get a copy, quote-unquote, of it. okay, you haven't played Arma 2 until you've played with me. Then you've played Arma 2. <laughs> or Dan. Mm. Do, you, do you know what America is? We rule the world with our superior tactics and weaponry. It's, Bitch, you've never played Domination, have you? <laughs> I'm sorry, how big is the Australian army? How much funding a year do you get? Off topic. I don't know. Why would get I know? Get back on topic. Let's talk about Okay, back on topic. I think it'd be really cool if you could convert voices or have some streamlined version of it where it would actually do those hand signals. So that way when you're moving in squads, you could just learn the hand signals and use that. I think it'd be super cool. That's actually something interesting because we see that a lot in video games where you know they have voice enabled, but uh, the it doesn't really add a sort of covertness to the actual gameplay because if you're talking to your friends in game, other people are gonna hear you on the other team, but nobody really implements something like that. I mean, maybe there's some like tactical. I'm using air. Are you there. kidding? There's a ton of stuff out like this. Like for example, um, uh, I know for a fact in uh, Halo. Yeah, I was going to say, Sorry, I have a feeling they're all going to be for the 360. <laughs> I hate to bring this up, but uh, Halo, for example, when you're near another player, you can hear them speak locally. And um, 
if you're not near someone, you can actually hear them over a comms channel sort of thing. And they also do this in, I'm sorry again, Armour 2, where you can actually have different comm channels that you can actually speak through in order to actually communicate with your people. For example, uh, you can actually speak from your player's mouth. And now if you've ever witnessed this in game, the closer you are to someone, the, the louder their voice sounds. So if you're next to someone, or like, you know, for example, if you, for example, this is a, a weird way to describe it, but um, if you're ever in a situation in Armour 2 where you can't locate someone on the map, it does happen a lot in multiplayer because it's like buggy or you know whatever. You you go to the uh, the open voice channel, which is like your player speaking, and you basically shout into the microphone, and then someone your teammate will hear and go, "Oh, he's over there. I'm gonna walk over there now." <laughs> and believe me, it works. So may I interject with my useless, vast, just knowledge stroke of the facts? Yeah. Just um, stroke it. Go ahead. Half uh, Counter Strike tried that Did way they? back. Yeah, right. back in like 2002, 2003. It was a, I remember playing and I, I don't I don't know if it was beta, but I think it was 1.4 when they tried that, and they were like, no, no, this is not going to work. And the thing and the idea was the uh, other team could hear you too if they were in vicinity, which is kind of cool. Because then, because then all that here is like some guy over voice channel, like you know. Playing like um, Rick Astley, you know. I thought I always thought it was a good. I mean, yeah, I always thought it was a good. I love the idea of reality in games. I, I like not having a crosshair. I like you know having team play and stuff like that. And and me and actually me and William were discussing the other day how we're getting bored of games. Not, I guess not. We shouldn't say bored of games, but just bored of the games that are out right now. Mm-hmm. And I think what's going to happen is, and Call of Duty Four is a good, uh, good representation of this, that we're not getting bored of games; we're just getting bored of the crap that companies are releasing. So in games like Call, I of like Duty, to call it the brown smeal. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I go. I, I like Call of Duty Four. It's good. I don't. Oh God. Don't even um, well, no, you have to know at least a single player was good. You had to at least like no, a single player. Nothing about games. Hey, Emmanuel, you want to know something really, really gay about Modern Warfare 2? What? 50 Cent is going to be a voice actor, yo. I saw that on Kotaku. <laughs> as long oh as Terry Tate comes back, I don't care. It's like, yo, motherfucker, hit that jump, yo. Blah, blah. <laughs> well, about, let me finish my point. I, I don't think me and William so are getting bored of games. I think we're getting... I think we're just getting tired of the repetitiveness. So once a game actually comes through and actually does tactics properly, I would say Armor 2 is close, but Armor 2 doesn't run on any computer in the world, so you can't really count that. But maybe in five years when a computer can run Armor 2 and it becomes popular, we can count Armor 2. But Hey, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. What? Where'd my skull at? What? <laughs> anyway, moving on. For anyone who doesn't get that, I'm sorry. All right, moving on to the release list. Emmanuel, you wanted to do the coveted release list. I want to do it so hard. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about John Ward, first of all. Drowned World. Should I try that again in English? Yes. Okay. Let's let's talk about Drowned World, first of all. How about that? Yes. Okay. Drowned World. This is weird. I have to... At first, we were, me and William played it, and... Initially, he started 20 minutes before me, and then I ended up beating it before him because I'm so good at video games. True. But um, 
I remember him saying, I remember, I remember you being pretty skeptical about it, and then I started, and I was like, yeah, this opening cinematic thing is kind of bad, and it's kind of over the top, and it doesn't look that good, and this is probably going to be really stupid. And then you go ahead and explain the water thing, like how the water plays a part in the game. It's actually interesting, because at the very beginning, for about the first level, I, I think there's, a, there's probably like three levels in this game. Um, for the very first level, you have to get basically from point A to point B. But during the entire um, during the entire storyline or the linearity of it, uh, the 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 underground complex is flooding with water, and you eventually get to a point where you know you basically get screwed if you don't go fast enough. You will drown to death and have a horrible, 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 horrible death. Um, so the the conversation sort of came up between me and Emmanuel. Actually, William, they say that drowning is the most peaceful way to die. Anyway, no, it's really not. You think so? Absolutely not. Your your body's being deprived of oxygen, and the natural yeah. reaction, the 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 bare like emotions don't even play to it. The bare bones essentials that make up your humanity kick in, and you start to freak out, and you don't know who you are anymore, and your frontal lobe just shuts off, and you turn into an animal. That is not fun. <laughs> That's, then that's you dream of candy canes and hallucinating believe it or not burning to death is probably better than drowning because your body shuts off all of your nerves because it realizes no, your it's skin not searing and you screaming in agony is not a good way to for the die first, like, anyway. but that's only for like the first six or seven seconds then your brain kicks in and says oh wow oh. this is not going to end well we should probably turn these off <laughs> and then you just kind of go into like AFK mode Anyway, it. Drowning World, um, like I said, for the first map, you're, you pretty much got to act fast. you got to get from point A to point B without essentially drowning. The interesting thing is, as the water level rises, it hurts certain buttons and switches um, that activate and deactivate because, you know, they're shorting out from the water. So, like I said, if you don't act fast enough, you might not be able to get into a, a certain room because the switch is now encased in water, so it doesn't work. Um, but then after that, the mod sort of goes downhill, or the map's pack sort of goes downhill, uh, because you get outside and the water level's not really rising, and that novelty is sort of gone. But the, the topic came up when we were playing whether or not mods or games should have um, a forced ending. For example, I, I use the example of if you have a fence that you got to get over, right? You need to use these crates to get over the fence. Well, what if you were stupid and broke the crates? Should there be another way to get over the fence in a mod or a map? Or are you just screwed? No, duh, yeah. You have to you have to be able to like incorporate every stupid idiot into your game in order to get to the ending. Take, for example, I know I bring it up a lot, but uh, the Nameless mod. They fucking made every single way possible. If you're stupid enough to fucking, you know, blow off your legs and you can't jump high enough to get to the... Uh, get to the, uh, the the vent, which is like an inch off the ground, then there is another way to go. You just crawl, and there's another way to get to the exit. You know, it's just I, stuff like that. Well, we discussed it, and I think you shouldn't. I mean, yeah, I, I think you shouldn't. I, I, well, there's some situations where, like, in Freeman's mind, you should be able to just jump up on a ledge and pull yourself up. Right. That's, that's a situation. Maybe that can be enabled if you mess everything out, but I don't think you should nerf a game just because... It's not and, nerfing, it's, it's, an, it's just building a game properly. It's building well, for the, every situation possible. 
Well, with the advent of physics, you know, you want to make games more physics-oriented, right? Well, at the same time, taking out the ability to break boxes, et cetera, et cetera, that kind of takes away from the realism of it. And I'm sure every game designer out there who goes to full sale okay, is probably... Okay, well, how about this? Take the, the example that William made. You're trying to jump over a fence. Why the fuck can I just not break the fence? That's true. Yeah. I mean, well, sure. that's what I'm saying. With the advent of physics... You should, you should be able to circumvent these stupid little, you know, breaking a box that you needed to climb up a, on, on, to get onto a ladder where we can get rid of the need for that. You can just jump over the ladder now. So I think, you know, we won't even need to worry about that in the future, but until then. Either way, I but, think Drowned, Drowned World sort of opens this discussion up because you can lose through not necessarily your own stupidity, but through some form of bad luck. If you don't move fast enough, if you get caught up, you know, fighting some enemies. The one thing that it, that really pissed me off about this mod was that uh, enemies seem to become invincible underwater, and you don't. So it sort of sucks. <laughs> they just sort of stand in the bottom of the water, just like in Half-Life 1. I'm, I was sort of surprised to see that. Uh, William, yes. does this mod happen to have the Half-Life 2 shotgun? Yes. <clears throat> yeah, I know. Well... This mod starts so weird, too, because you start in a small room, and you look over, you have your suit, and you have a couple guns, and then you go outside this room, and there's combine everywhere. Yeah, they just smash through the wall. It's like, how, do, how does that happen that you end up in a small room with nothing, with, surrounded by a whole bunch of enemies, and they don't know about you? <laughs> yeah. That's all I'm can we just agree for a moment that if any mod implemented with the sounds and the model... And the animation, the Doom 3 shotgun that we'd probably love the mod. Can we agree on that? No. I hate like that shotgun just as much. I think I had a love of I agree that um, I agree that it does give a pretty satisfactory thump when you blow someone's brains out. <laughs> but apart from that, it's just like every other shotgun. It's shotgunny. And I'm surprised you think that. I, I, that game, that was the only reason I even played through Doom 3 the first time. Well, the only time. You know, I'm just kind of sick of weapons in games. Well, you see them a lot, like, though, in your line of work, Dave. I'm sure you have playtests and you see uh, that shotgun a lot, like, too. I, the thing is, I'm just getting sick of weapons. Like, oh, look, an AK-47. <laughs> I haven't seen that before. <laughs> anyway. the, yeah, that was my troll face coming out. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm well, just... Okay, can, can we get on topic? That, Go know, ahead. What... I, I just prefer games that go far and beyond and don't use anything that everyone else uses because it's cool and Halo did it. Mm. Anyway, go on. Would you, would you mind awfully if we actually talked about the mod for just a moment? <laughs> sure, go for it. Okay. What? So this what mod, Drowned World, I didn't want to like it, and I actually didn't like it when I first played it. But about halfway through, usually when I get bored of something like this, I just kept on playing. And I, for some, it had a charm to it. I'm not sure why, but maybe it was the open environments or, or something, but I actually enjoyed it. Really? I think you liked it better than I did because I didn't really enjoy this one past the first level. Well, no, I didn't like the first 20 minutes of it. It was pretty bad, but, you know, I, I just ended up liking it. Maybe it's like sushi. You don't like it the first time, but it just kind of grows on you. So right. I, I would suggest it, it I, if not for the fact that I actually enjoyed it, but just because of the fact that it has open environments and you don't see that in mods much these days. So 
What's That's next my four cents. Emmanuel, what's next? <sighs> well, then we have Lockdown, which is a submission for the DM2SP competition from our beloved Defat Cat. Yep. Did you play it? I did, in fact, and I really liked it. This was a really good rendition of, you know, the Lockdown map. Um, granted, he did this in, like, one day because he thought the, uh, the competition ended, like, the day after we announced it on the podcast, when really it was, like, two months after. So this was, like, the first entry we got and almost the last entry we got, but um, it's interesting for the amount of time he put into it, you know what I mean? Like, really quick. He just sort of churned it out there, and he has some cool puzzles. Um, he has a really cool ending scene at the end. I don't I guess spoiler alert. Really cool ending scene that doesn't really take part in the map he sort of created his own special unique little part in the end that's like cheating it. not really you sort of have to play <laughs> it to see because it's almost like um it's almost like a prison break and at the end you're uh you get to like the helicopter and it's outside on like the helipad and you have to fuel it up so he just sort of created that little helipad part so it still sort of fits the map mm -hmm. it was cool it was really cool a lot of puzzles. Emmanuel, did you play it? I liked it. Yeah. I think he did a good job. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I usually, you know, find fault with this, this sort of thing. Um, it wasn't polished, but, you know, I we've always said we prefer fun over being polished, though. So. Mm -hmm. It was short to the point, and it really got the job done, in my opinion. So, good job to Fat Cat. Anyway, moving on. Slums 2. This is the big uh, topic of the week. Okay, yeah, this is this perturbed the crap out of me, and I know we all played it. Yep. But I, I Matt, you go because me and William have more than a mouthful. Um, I liked I liked the idea of walking out and being in a really slummy kind of apartment, like half of it's taking over by metro cops. Um, spoiler, sorry, but um, my, what annoyed me. Playing through this thing, all playing through this thing is, it's so dark everywhere almost. Even in areas that should have some lights, it's just so dark. It was a dark monster. And I didn't really understand why it had to be so dark everywhere, but. Um, Did they eventually patch it? I yeah, they've patched it now. I think, I think it's just the way he designed the levels. There's a patch yeah. out now for it though, but I don't know what it fixes. I think it the, mostly uh, fixes AI and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, it says it patches the difficulty and the amount of ammo you get at the beginning. And my biggest, my biggest problem is that I walked out and I had no idea what was going on. And even now, I, 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 I don't, I kind of get it, but I don't really understand what what was going on through the whole thing. Yeah, and that's sort of the inherent issue with slums is that, uh, in my opinion, it looked beautiful. Emmanuel doesn't think it looks very good. But I think it well, looks I... nice. But, but what it's lacking, and what a lot of people hate about this, is storyline. This mod has absolutely no story. There's no real reason why you're running in these rooms just killing the same Half-Life 2 monsters, Half-Life 2 Episode 2 monsters that we see in, you know, like, the Valve Okay, game. Will, just a quick question. How many Half-Life 2 mods do you play that don't have any storyline whatsoever no. and then they just this kill is, this room? Is different, Dave. This is 100% different because this is a mod that has sort of a melodramatic atmosphere. And in this melodramatic okay. atmosphere, it gives you no reason to play because it's sort of depressing in the sense that you're walking through these rooms and it's just killing after killing after killing with no direction and nothing for you to sort of aim towards. Um... 
So when when you're playing this mod, <laughs> when you're playing other mods, I want some sort of purpose. And this game, this mod doesn't really bring you that sort of purpose. I played it for about the first ten minutes. Melancholy uh, is what I'm, the word I'm looking for. Not melancholy. I was I was really super excited based on the intro sequence, and if you play it, you'll know what I mean. I was like, okay, what just happened? I want to know. And then, then ten minutes into gameplay, I just I just lost my way. I was like, if I have to kill another one of those monsters, I am going to be very, very upset. Well, let me elaborate from a point I made earlier. When I mentioned that I would have liked killing floor if it was on the UT3 engine. If this had been on the Half-Life 2 engine, it would have been a horrible, horrible-looking mod. But because just, it was on, just because it was on the orange box engine, I noticed it was, it was a huge difference. Like, the sprites, the just the effects and everything, everything looked so much better. And if it wasn't for the Episode 2 engine, I would have played it maybe oh. for 20 minutes instead of 10. But... Oh, Will, hang on, just, sorry, what was the Slums 1 mod? Slums, mod one uh, in I was just about to get to that. Slums 1 included the first couple of maps from Slums 2, but it was developed on the Half-Life 2 engine. So okay. they've yeah. essentially ported it to Episode 2 and added... You know, they cleaned up the maps, obviously, and then they added a whole slew more at the end. So there was a version of Manual that was on episode one. Or on and did you ever play it? It did. It doesn't look as good, even if you just simply look at the screenshots. You don't need to play it. You can just look at the screenshots and see that it doesn't look as good. You're right, Emmanuel. It doesn't at all. Well, there you go. <laughs> that that is its saving grace that it's on the orange box engine. But even then, it wasn't. Initially, when you described it to me, I had this vision that. You said, oh, there's no real story. You just kind of, you know. And then imagine, like, this post-utopian kind of broken world where it's there's nothing around and you just go around killing things and all the maps are connected. And then, really, it's just you running around from these, kind of like in a, in a sandbox environment. And I got excited thinking, oh, that sounds really cool. And then I realized that it's linear and you just meant there's no story. So that's probably why it was such a huge disappointment for me. And I'd love to see something like that, but it was sort of a disappointment for me too because of the amount of PR it got, um, and and I guess this goes back to the question that Philip was asking before, long time when you know does the history of a mod affect your review? And in this case, it sort of did, because I saw this advertised on Planet Philip that he was like Slums Two is coming. It was in the banner rotation, and then wasn't it in the banner rotation on ModDB? I don't know if it was. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was a release, a featured release. So, yeah. so I mean, it, it got all this publicity, and then I, I go ahead and I load it, and I was just like, huh. I don't really know how. I mean, I beat it. I played through it, but I couldn't sit down and play it through in one go like I could with, like, research and development. Um, even, and that was, like, a longer mod as well. I just couldn't get myself to play this in one sitting because I was just like, okay, this is fun. I'm shooting aliens and combine, but... It gets old after a while, so let's turn it off and do something else for a second. That's how I felt when I was playing this game. This month. Do you think a story would have saved it? I think so. Yeah, yeah, me too. I think something driving me towards an overall goal would have definitely saved this month. I think if your, your mod's going to be that linear... What's that, Dave? Your princess is in another castle. <laughs> I think if your mod's going to be linear and needs some story... Well, most mods are linear, but I'm saying incredibly linear. It's going to need some form of story to retribute it. You could take 30 seconds in the mod somewhere, make make a quick scripted sequence or voiceover, 
I can add purpose to it. Okay, how about this? Oh my god, Dr. Freeman, you gotta get to the other end of this crappy apartment to um, um, get the, uh, the thingamajig that will make the world stop exploding. Well, that, Go. See, that, that doesn't count, because, because technically, by that definition, What's its name had a story too. Drown had a story, but I didn't care. I didn't know that the story was there. It it would just had some cool features and open environments to reach, you know, to make it you okay. If, if they had to do a cool story, something different, that wasn't prob probably wasn't even in the canon of Half Life for me to enjoy it because just because it was so Half Life ish, for me. You know what the best part about um, Slums Two was for me, and that was when I got outside. Spoiler alert! You get outside. And these rebels just sort of come out of all these crevices and nooks and crannies and stuff like that. I'm like, yes, I can fight with some rebels. This is going to get good. As soon as they come out, they get shot by the sniper rifles, by these snipers that are in the buildings. And I'm like, well, that was fun. You know, this, this had some potential. We could fight through the, the, the buildings together. Maybe I'll have a little medic. We could, I could sort of, like, feel less alone. But you know what? They just you mean died. They were just cannon fodder for the snipers. It was... They were essentially an element to tell me that there were snipers up ahead. That's all that was their purpose in this mod. And I, I just got pissed off after that. Because really, the, the mod served no purpose to me. And that's, I don't know. I guess I'm just getting a little bit It just sounds like you wanted to roleplay. <laughs> no, it, last week and you have fighting along week. the resistance is kind of cool. That was one of the cool features in City 17. Yeah. You know what? I... I played through Half-Life, um, just like a, a guy would come up to me and I'd shoot him with like a rotating blade, even if he was on my team, I'd, I, didn't, I just didn't give a fuck, I really didn't. <laughs> and it would be the same, like I would literally laugh at these guys getting their faces blown off because like, oh, Dr. Freeman, let's run over there and like, you know, stroke his membrane or something and, and, and then everyone's just like, ah, oh, yeah, go, 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 and then it's like, Phew. it's like, no stroking for you. Anyway, that's how I would look at it, but yeah, that's anyway, my piece. Like I said, yeah. I was just expecting more, but I think we can move on. People are getting restless in the chat. <laughs> With that, I guess we can move on to Manticore. Yeah, which doesn't work. Best mod ever. You know period. what, though? I feel so bad because here's a, here's a map. It's not even a mod. Here's a map that, you know, is a co-op deathmatch map, and we like this sort of stuff. Um on Podcast 17, and we Even actually Phillip. got Philip to join us in-game, in multiplayer. We ha we were like, you want to play this? Actually, you got him, Emmanuel. You are like, yeah. you want to play this co-op yeah. map? And he was like, yeah, sure. So we got it all set up, we got it all loaded, and it, like, crashes after the first five seconds. And we've confirmed that it's not, it wasn't the server, everybody tried playing it solo-y, solo, and uh, it all crashed for every single one of us. It's very but it was very cool five seconds. It was actually very... It, it scared. It, it was scary. It was really Emmanuel cool. Emmanuel cried. Yeah, I cried a bit. I pooped. Just a little. A little bit of wee came out. Yeah. I guess the but reason... It was, it was, reason it was something that up. we all agreed on. We were, we were going to enjoy it, and yeah. it failed. Exactly. Figured. I think the reason we bring this up in Podcast 17 is if there's somebody out there who can somehow figure out what is causing the crash, or if they can somehow fix it, let us know, because we really want to play it. <laughs> <laughs> Because it seems there's a lot of screenshots on FPS Banana, so I mean, obviously he got in a certain. He got it to work. Congratulations to him. Exactly. So. But. Hey man, I made this game. I can play it myself. Fuck the rest of you. 
<laughs> Alright, moving on. Let's go into SP Balcony, the second entry to DM2 SP. Uh, yeah, you go on this. I, did, I didn't. I didn't. I, yeah. Well, I mean, this is this is definitely, no offense to Fat Cat, but this is definitely way better than the Fat Cat's um, map. Mainly because I think, what's his name? Oh, snap. Reaper 47. Reaper 47 spent a lot of time on this map. Um, it was the better entry for DM2SP. Basically, it's a rescue mission. You need to rescue Ura of Vortigon. Um, be careful, because if he dies in the mission, it ends. So, in fact, you have to protect him from himself, because he is very brave. <laughs> uh, can you get him out of the cell and lead him to the portal? So, good luck. Um, the DM map is on the Snark Pit. It's called DM Balcony. And I guess, I'm not sure if it was created by him as well. Yeah. So he took his own map and he created an SP version, which is sort of something we were looking for um, during the contest. And this is an incredible map. This really shows you that uh, what Philip was trying to do with the DM2 SP contest would have worked if people, you know, submitted more maps for it. Because it was just an awesome implementation of the concept. Uh I would have rather just seen a mapping contest. I, uh, orienting oh, yeah. it around something like that just makes it difficult for the mappers. I think what Philip was trying to do, though, with the contest is he was trying to say that, you know, there's huge, there's, there's this huge plethora of maps for deathmatch, right? And why couldn't you take those maps and spend maybe a day on it and make it a SP map? And I think that's sort of what he was trying to accomplish with that, and SP Balcony really did exactly that. I'm not sure how long he worked on it, but, I mean, he already had the resource there. He already had the source for the map. Why not just create, like, a little storyline out of it? There's nothing wrong with that. I suppose. If you want to get, like, full, full publicity of your map and full coverage, then why not? I don't know. Dave, any thoughts? Um, well... We should really be asking people still play. Half-Life 2 Deathmatch at all, like, honestly. Yeah. What's that? Do people still play Half-Life 2 Deathmatch? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's a very niche crap. Uh, like, no I mean, for example, taking ever. someone else's map and then, like, putting a monkey wrench in it, like... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I, I, personally, I'll... Pre Whoa, shit just got laggy. Go for it, Dave. Sorry. Well... Uh, we, okay. we should be asking Matt because essentially he's taking multiplayer maps and making them into single-player maps in a way. Yeah, you got a point there, I guess. Um, I, really, I really enjoyed leading the Vortigaunt across the thing, and I didn't... I, I actually had to go back a few save points because I was quick-saving through it just because I hate, I hate losing. <laughs> but even, like... Are you one of those guys that quick-saves, jumps around the corners, gets shot like once and then like it's oh fuck I gotta do it again <laughs> no you know what I, I don't usually quick save in, um, in single player games the only point that I quick saved was when I was playing Radiator 2 yeah that's true that I was quick I, was, I quick saved after every single box was slotted just to make I'm sure. one of those guys that um, I will quick save around every goddamn corner really? and yeah, like I if I lose well. like any health, or if I like use too much ammo, I will reset. You might as well try. just bind my move forward key to save. That's how much I save. Yikes! <laughs> I don't do that much. I just I, I heard that um, the Vortigaunt was pretty ballsy, so 
Mm -hmm. I just wanted to make sure that he, he lived through the map, but I really enjoyed um, it, it. I could see how the how the place would be a deathmatch area, but this is the only version of it I've played, and I really, I really thought he did it well. And I think in a deathmatch map, there's a lot of potential for reusing the same areas in the same way that research and development did it. I really like that idea of taking a deathmatch area and bringing it back to um, back to a single player. There's a, there's a few maps that I'd like to see that done to, like uh, DM Firth. Mm -hmm. It's um, one of the maps that uh, Ryan, or not Ryan, the radiator guy. Right, Robert. Doing? Yeah, Robert is doing so. I really, I really, really, really like the idea, and I hope there's more people doing this in the future. I think so, too. Yeah. Anyway, moving on to the last bit of release. Um... I guess Half-Life Wilson Chronicles, the unfinished edition, was released. I'll be right back, actually, while you guys do this. Okay. Just even reading the unfinished edition made me not want to play this, and I didn't. But it's there if you want to download it. Um, really? You didn't play it? Like, this is, like, one of the big, 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 like, things going on for, like, Half-Life and Half-Life 2, in my opinion. I know, and they made a really good trailer, too. Um, it comes with five playable maps. Um, the unused models and RMFs, and if somebody wants to pick it up, they can. They can contact uh, Eagles G at the Eagles Studio, the Eagles G Studio .com, um, If you want to continue, but I guess development's dead. Is development officially dead then, Dave? Um, what the deal is is that uh, he just really can't be bothered making two versions of the same game, so he's just making it for Source now. Okay. Mm. Mm. That makes sense. I mean, I can understand that. I mean, like, honestly, if someone owns Half-Life, it's probably a good chance that they own Half-Life 2. Right. No, of course. I think I think this is a smart move by him, then. I thought he was dropping development on both. No, no, he's focusing on um, okay. half the Half-Life 2 version. Um, but what I find most interesting about this is that um, he's actually giving out his work. Yeah, the RMFs uh, are all included, so... Yeah, and that's uh, almost unheard of in the modding industry. I can tell you that now. I mean, like, there's been stories of, like, big, big mods, like we're talking, like, Nightfall and, you know, stuff like that that have come so, so close, but because of the feature creep, they just couldn't deal with it anymore. And all these assets, all the hard work these guys have put into it, I just f flush down the shitter because of the fact that they can't agree to release and it's such a really, it's really bad to see that sort of thing. Like, granted um, that maybe their assets would get used in a thousand mods, but like, if that means that a thousand people get to use assets to make their dreams come true or their game come true, then I don't see why there's a problem with it. Um, you know, it's just as long as as long as credit is given, then everything should be fine. That's sort of, that's, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm same sentiment as you. With when no more room in hell threatened they were gonna close their doors, we asked them if they were gonna give out their assets and they were like, Hells no, these are our assets. We're never What gonna assholes. They were like, <laughs> We're gonna keep them locked up and never bury them. We're never gonna look at them again and I was just like, Really? Come on. No one would really? that situation. So, yeah. so let me get this straight. You but they came make back a anyway. On assets given out by a game company who sells their game for free, 
and you're going to turn around and not share your assets even though you're never going to work on the mod again? Sounds good. You good Samaritans, you. That's well, you, you gotta understand. You gotta understand that uh, a lot of work goes into it, and they don't want people taking credit for their work because it does happen. It happens a lot, and I have to deal with a lot of copyright issues all the goddamn time on this on ModDB. Like, no, seriously, I have to be the middleman to like say, okay, here is the copyright law. If you don't abide by this law, I will get this guy to like press charges. Like, it's serious yeah. shit. Like, I have to deal with that all the time. And it's, I just people, I just wish people would understand that modding is like, it's it's a community. You can't just not ignore it. You know, you, you, I just want people to respect each other and respect each other for the ability to say, okay, here is my asset. I made it for you. Please well, use it. Please give credit. Blah, blah, blah. Let's elaborate, though. People who are stealing "quote unquote" models and animations and sounds and maps, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, do so because a) they don't get the 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 go ahead that they wanted, or b) they can't get in contact with the developers until the developers find out later that it was stolen. So if you just make it public domain, then you don't have to worry about it being stolen because well, there you go. Everyone now knows that this is your content, and that if they don't give you recognition now, they look like assholes. So. Right. That's my stance on. There's also the people that, are, even if they are public, I mean, I um, I'll bring up a mod called um, Knights of the Force, or commonly known as Knights of the Farce. Now, uh, basically, what the guy did, he um, it was a really, really humongous mod, and he, he tricked a lot of people by doing this. He basically took assets from other people's mods. Now, this is for Jedi Knight, by the way. Uh, Jedi Academy, sorry, and um, he took people's assets and he, he like all like hunt, like all the Star Wars fiction you could possibly think of, and he melded it all together in this one mod. And he said he made it himself, and he was going to sell this mod, sell the content, and he had so many subscribers, he had so many donations, and then it it just fucking blew up in his face because someone went wait a minute, that is my model. And then he contacted other people and then other people found out and it was a goddamn shitstorm in the literal sense. And um, we actually made an article about it which hit quite highly and was posted on so many other websites because of it. And it's just... Oh, it's A lot of shit goes wrong when you open stuff to public domain, but I just wish people would do it more often. I really do. It's almost like you're doing a service to your to your fans, right? Modding almost. is really about the gamers. It's not about making money. It's not. I mean, it, I guess it is a little bit about fame, but it's more about you know the fans and the gamers. So if and, you don't and really see the thing is though, um, it's it's hard to prove that you made the model. Like for example, mm-hmm. uh, there is no way to uh, like put your tag on a model because that model can be edited, right? So. I... Um, well, here's the For thing. example, if you put it on your, if you put it on a resume or a CV and you hand it into someone, and then someone checks that online, and then someone else like says, "Hey, this is my model, not his." The guy that's on your CV is going to go right. This guy is obviously faking it, mm-hmm. you know. Without a second thought, he's just going to pass it away. He's not going to look into it any more than he already has. Mm-hmm. And I can see why that's a problem. And but, goddamn, I just wish people would do it more. <laughs> 
Well, here's the thing. If you release your models on public domain or whatever content on public domain in 2009 on you know March 19th, and then someone releases a mod on September 19th, 2010, and they take credit for it, you can just point to the website that's time-stamped and say, really? So there you go. That's proof right there. Yeah, that's if you have all your ducks in a row. You know what I mean? Well, like, sometimes, it, well, sometimes it's yeah. not that easy. Okay, for example, the internet is a huge place. Like, there is no way to calculate how big it is. You, someone, like, for example, um, someone, like, I... I'm going to bring this up, like maybe a Russian developer or something like that, goes on to ModDB or like um, FPS Banana, sees a model he likes, takes it, makes the development, makes it for his community. There is no way in hell the person who made that model from a Western perspective is ever going to find out that someone else is taking claim on their work. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know There's if that's no a fully like, relevant argument because the Russians are going to take whatever they want anyways. I mean, they'll de decompile it if they have to and use something completely from scrap that looks like ass. But the, okay. the thing to note here is when you release it to public domain, you're giving, you're essentially taking control of how it's, per, how it's used. Because you can always point back to that and say, well, here's, you know, here's proof I made it. And I, if, let's say Natural Selection 2 turns out to have stolen stuff from Eternal Silence or something, I honestly believe that the the people out there who purchase games and support mods will honestly not support Nash Selection 2 because they stole something. I would like to think that. Is it true? Probably not, but it, I would like to think that. So. Anyway, we should move on. And uh, before we get into Media Blitz, Matt and I were talking, and we're going to bring back what you've been playing or what you've been doing, I guess. Yay. So I guess we can start out with Dave, and what have you been up to this week, other than, you know, Half-Life? The Dave? Hmm. The Dave. You want to know about everything, do you? Well, I mean, just give us a rundown of what you've been interested in lately. Other than, um, oh, oh, snap. <laughs> um, well, as I mentioned before, I did play a lot of uh, custom campaigns for Left 4 Dead. I played that uh, Heaven Can Wait and uh, what was the other one? Dead something, where it had the balloon at the end. Is it, was it Dead Before Dawn? No, it wasn't Dead Before Dawn. <laughs> um, something. And, like, okay. The one thing I want to bring up is that um, Anna Manuel's probably sitting there, like, face palming because we're talking about Left 4 Dead. Sorry, buddy. But, um,. <laughs> Um, there was in uh, Heaven Can Wait, there was this one section where you had to run through a car park, right? And uh, this was pretty damn cool because um, they had like, you know, those cars that have the alarm, right? Yep. Imagine eight in a row. Yeah, all in a car crazy. park. And you had to run past them all. That would be pretty now, crazy. It yeah, was just recently it, reviewed, wasn't it? Heaven Can Wait was reviewed on, like, Left 4 Dead mods or Left 4 Dead maps or something like that. I think it was yeah, something like that. Mm. Um, and, um, the, you know, this got me thinking. Um, Left 4 Dead 2 said they're going to have, like, gauntlet-like moments. And I was thinking, this is pretty damn close to a gauntlet-like moment. <laughs> so if, yeah, if right. they're going to do that in Left 4 Dead 2, I'll buy it. Emmanuel, mm -hmm. what have you been playing? Um, I've rekindled my love for Call of Duty 4. I've been playing Fallout, uh, not Fallout, 
Far Cry 2, which beautifully. Um, actually, Far, uh, Far Cry 2 is much better than 1. That's that's the first time I've played a game single sequel in a long time. That's you know surpassed its predecessor. So, props yeah, to I them. Really it's not Far really. Cry. It's not really like, hey, you're Jack Carver in the desert now. It's nothing like that. It's like a completely different game. Yeah, yeah, and, and I was surprised because someone said, no, 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 don't play it. It's bad. But it's actually quite interesting. And usually, I hate sandbox games. The only sandbox games I've liked are Far Fallout 3 and Far Cry 2. So. Um, you know, um, now that you bring it up, um, Far Cry 2 was interesting, but it, they just didn't have enough breaks in between the action. Um, that was the one thing that pissed me off about it, and the fact that that game gave me a migraine. <laughs> Why did it it's give you a migraine? It's draining, you're right. Like, you get tired. <laughs> no, no, it, yeah, it's, it's, well, I have a sneaking suspicion it's because of the fact that you're not taken out of the, you're never taken out of the perspective of the actual player you're playing as. So that, coupled with the fact that, you know, it's a mind fuck basically. And you're sitting there just going, oh, man, did I just see my legs? You know, like, personally for me, that was just a little too much for my brain to handle. I get migraines quite easy, mind you, but... Really? No, mm -hmm. I, I, I get, actually, I get migraines from strenuous exercise, which sucks. But I thought you said strenuous exercise, and I was like, dude. <laughs> no, I get I get pleasure from strenuous exercise, but from strenuous exercise, like rugby and stuff, I, I actually get migraines, and I'm, I think I might have like a caught up brain clot or something that I have to go to the doctor for and get dislodged. It's a tumor. Killed. Yeah. yeah, hopefully it's a tumor. Then I can watch on comfort over to my house. But I've been playing Far Cry 2, which I surprised surprised me. Um, a lot of single-player stuff, because for me and William right now, this is our break before we have to go back and slave with math and stupid engineering stuff. Mm -hmm. So we like we just get in all the single-player gaming while we can before we have to go back to classes. So all those games that came out in the last year, I've just been frantically playing or trying to at least. And Matt? Um, no multiplayer stuff, as much as I'd like. Mm -hmm. Maybe Matt? that'll change. Um... But... We can can we just can I just say would would any developers out there take heed and please make a mod that is sandbox-ish but in a like a totally dystopian kind of unaiming way, just kind of running around killing things and exploring. Could you do that? <clears throat> it's called the nameless mod for Deus Ex. Go. You know I've looked at it. I tried playing Deus Ex and I just can't. I no, honestly Matt. can't. Let Matt talk. Um, what have I done this week? I have been playing Guild Wars, unfortunately. Whoa! Again? Yes, yes! High five. Come on. Yes! Put it up. Arrange it. I've been playing for over 40 years, but then I put it down and started making a mod. You know, um, you know what? I tried to come back to it, like, uh, maybe a few weeks ago, and all my fucking builds were gone, and I was like, oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> Um, writing poetry, and then came up Toronto, saw the most screwed up play I've ever seen. I heard it had a penis in it. It, it, had, it, had, it had penises and vaginas and landing strips and cats and yeah. Russian okay. people. Uh, yeah, it was, it was quite screwed up. And then, obviously, I'm in William's house right now. Hells yeah. And for me, actually, funny thing... Um, I've never seen Tron. B 
the original Tron, like from the 80s. So this week we were watching the Tron trailer, Nick and I, the new one that Disney's doing. And uh, I was like, I've never seen Tron. So I went out and I got Tron and I watched Tron. I was like, that's sweet. Tron is awesome. Yeah. And then I played Tron 2.0 again, if anybody's ever played that first person shooter by Monolith. What's that? They're coming and get you. <laughs> I live right across the street from a fire station, and it's like really pouring rain. Like it's getting pretty crazy out. So we had to turn the lights on. I've I've got some um, bad chaps. What's that? The rent must be pretty cheap then. Anyway. Well, not really. It's in Toronto. <laughs> I, I'm afraid I've got some bad news, chaps. I think we might lead really boring lives. <laughs> Sorry. I just, I, me in this. I just moved to Toronto, and uh, that's what I've basically been doing. I've been grocery shopping and buying little knickknacks and stuff. So tell, tell, tell us about tell Toronto. Us about sales, this is your first podcast from Toronto? It is. It is. I don't know. I love it here. I are the, are the women prettier or more? Uh, there's, just, there's just a lot more to do. Like, for example, I'll give you... Naked plays. Naked hmm? plays, yes. But, oh, that was a big one. Um, basically, specifically, like, I normally, if I were to get, like, a computer part, I would go on, like, NCIX or Tiger Direct, buy something there, and wait, like, two weeks before it gets shipped to my house. Well, I wanted some hard drives, and I asked on Reddit, I was like, where could I get some cheap computer parts in Toronto? There has to be a place. And there is, like, uh, Canadian Computers. And it's essentially like a wholesaler, like Factory Direct and NCIX, or Tiger Direct and NCIX. And I just went there and I picked up all this stuff. Like it's just easy to do things in Toronto, and it's awesome. Like I Where got. Where did your posts go on? I got two one terabyte drives for under a hundred and sixty bucks. No way. Yep. That's insane. So what's this about video game? <laughs> okay. Anyway. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. Where did you ask on Reddit? Because I cannot get them to answer any of my questions. Um, Canada Reddit, the Canada, Canada subreddit. Oh, we like to help each other out up here. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, see, I, that's partly why I want to go to Toronto, because it's just the cool stuff like that. <laughs> like, being able to go buy computer parts like that. And then he can come chill with us. Yeah. Anyway. Alright, moving on. Um, oh, we didn't ask Nick. What did, what did Nick do this week? Because if I'm this... correct, didn't he, wasn't there, wasn't there a momentous occasion for him? Oh yeah, it was his birthday. That's right. He's 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 now sixteen. Happy birthday, buddy. Sixteen. We sing him a birthday song. If you do your research, you might be able to find it on the interwebs. But we're <laughs> not going to. Subscribe to the Vidcast channel on uh, the YouTube. No, YouTube. don't say that. Oh, people can subscribe to it. Anyway, you want to take some media blitz? Um. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Matt's gonna do media blitz. Will I set something up and close all my windows? <laughs> that sounds like a good idea. And he's going to board them up, nails and everything. Yep. Uh, the first one here is um, Outbreak Condemned. It's a, um, it's a modification for Half-Life 2 based on the um, Outbreak, um, the Resident Evil series. And um, they, have some, they have a really, really kind of decent trailer. It's not, not too great, but it's really, really it's a decent trailer. And uh, <laughs> um, screenshots, and they're, they're still looking for people. To um, to do some stuff for them, but they have a Twitter channel and a YouTube channel, and I'm really happy that they do. That they um that they're doing that, so you should definitely go subscribe to their Twitter if you don't have a Twitter already, and they'll keep they'll keep you updated on what's going on. But the maps actually look really nice. 
Yeah, I think that's I, why I, why I added this. Yeah. I, I have I have no need for tw I hate Twitter personally. There's probably nothing more in this world I loathe more than Twitter. The, the Twitter I use it for is work. useful for letting people know that your mod is still being worked on. That that oh. that is that is one thing that you, Twitter can do that nothing else can do as well. Just set up a new for I think you should set up just a news XML feed that people can subscribe to because a the Twitter you could back subscribe, but you could subscribe to Twitter via RSS. Well, okay, then that's fine. Okay. I didn't know that, but because I hate having to log into Twitter to check. I actually have a Twitter, but it's on my iGoogle, so I don't have to actually go to Twitter. And I only have like my favorite celebrities on it, so I can see what they're doing and what shows they're doing and stuff like that. But beyond that, like David Mitchell has a Twitter, so you can find out. He always posts like whatever little things he does. Like he was on. Uh, what do you think you know and cool stuff like that. But otherwise, I don't care what my friends are doing on a one thing, Thursday morning. One thing about this trailer, the reason why I say, one reason why I say it was, it's decent is because I felt like I might have been having a, um, an epileptic seizure while I was watching it. It's just, it's just way too shaky, but the actual maps in them look really nice. They, um, yeah, so that's, that's the Outbreak Condemned mod. I wonder if this is based on the actual game called Outbreak. The was there a Resident Evil Outbreak? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Um, yeah. I think it, I think it's interesting that they're bringing the Resident Evil genre that style gameplay to Half Life, because Resident Evil Five really makes really good use of its uh, environments. So it'd be interesting to see how they could do that on a larger scale. Because Half Life, you kind of you move a lot faster. And, there's a lot more stuff you can do. It doesn't risk as a giant fucking snake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, second one here is the Stargate Legacy uh, mod. They got a lot of media on this one. Yeah, they really, really do. Pretty For me, I'm not, I'm not a Stargate fan myself, but like, there's a lot of mods for Half-Life 2, and I guess a couple other games too, but they're, they do amazing work. There's such love for Stargate. Yeah, there is. And it's just. Hang on, wait a sec. I think this is the one that we did the interview with. That you did or us? Yeah, that I did, yeah. See, I always get the two Stargate mods mixed up, and we've had this discussion before. We have many times. Um, one team, the team that I interviewed actually, uh, did Stargate, uh, mostly because there is a lot of. Uh, source material to to go off and that they didn't have to uh no this isn't it this isn't the team no because it would be under the features tab which is not so there's a there's a fantastic um like it's a fantastic amount of assets being developed for this mod but the thing is they're still looking for a coder so if you're a programmer and you're trying to make a mod but you don't have any assets. And if you like, let, targets, let them borrow Winston. Like targets, come, come join. Send, send these people an email. Share, share the love. Share Winston. <laughs> All right. Um, sorry, guys. I just have to do this. I have a friend who's watching the uh, the stream right now. He wants me to say, like, something about Tilk from Stargate giving MacGyver my job. If anyone knows anything about that, then yeah. <laughs> Something about Tilt giving uh, MacGyver a blowjob. Okay. Is Tilt a character on Stargate? I think he's the dude with the like this the shiny thing and stuck in his forehead. Oh, okay, okay, uh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. 
and MacGyver is obviously like you know the MacGyver, but without his hair being all cool and shit. So that's 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 Stargate Legacy. If you're a programmer, contact John at darkfirestudios.net. You can also check the link in the um, agenda. Next up is one that I was really interested in is um, Prison Island Mod, and they're doing something really interesting where they uh, they have two mappers working for them creating concept maps. And they've asked the community which one they like better. Mm. And that is just that's that's kinda cool how they um how they kind of want they kind of wanna make something that everyone wants to see. That's sort of a lot of work though, don't you think? No, it's it's just that these these are concept maps, right? These okay. these first two shots. And they're just they're asking the the um community which like when you play a mod, like a prison prison island mod like what do you want to see hopping into that mod so they're either yeah, going to yeah. go with one mapper or another mapper yeah for the for the general concept i think they're working with both of them it's just that's i think that's really cool how they did that one of them looks like you know your standard atrium based prison and the other one looks like a futuristic underground sort of cell based thing one of them looks like an insane asylum yeah <laughs> which i think both of them can go either way well, the Saint Asylum actually looks like Batman might jump out at any minute and punch me in the nerds. <laughs> the first one, yeah, the first one looks like looks like they're. I'm, I'm waiting to see some Gotham architecture. Mm -hmm. Give me some stones and stuff. And Batman can swoop down. <laughs> punch me in the nerds. Yeah. So if if you haven't got voted to go over to that to that page and um, just leave a comment on which one you think would like you'd like better. Mm -hmm. So that's that's Prison Island. I'm I'm really I'm paying attention to this one myself. I, I can't wait to see what else they come up with. All right. Um, so and the final one I believe mm -hmm. is uh, Shift. Shift mod. This is this racing mod, Emmanuel. This is the racing mod, and I can't believe I haven't heard of this before this week. But really, you haven't heard of Shift racing mod, right? To be honest, I. No, I have not. We've covered it not. before here on podcast. But they have a new official website coming out, and um, what 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 interests me about this news post is he he went through the whole in explanation. He's kind of have this recycling kind of graph put up. Yeah, I found he's he's basically laying down the smack. He's yeah. he's saying, "Yay, I'm on to you, you motherfucker. <laughs> I'm coming again." He, he references the um, the need for, need for speed games and how many different times are you playing the same freaking game? Mm -hmm. Hey man, the original Most Wanted. That's it. That's, that's where I stopped. That's where you stopped. It stopped for me way back at Need for Speed under like Need for Speed Two. Way way back when before they I remember that intro song like God damn. All right. That underground music. <sighs> I want to let me, let me just, uh, as the resident addicted person to racing addicted. games, yes. I, I, I play them religiously. I actually have a G25 wheel, which I spent, let me put it in perspective, I only spent, I spent half of what I would spend on a computer on my wheel alone. <laughs> as, someone, as someone with that kind of dedication to racing games, can I just say the only type of mod that will work for the Half-Life not even the Half-Life, but the Half-Life 2 engine, I hate to say this, is a rally game. And this is not a rally game. What so, about, um, was it, D-Rip? Oh, Dip-Rep. 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 See, Dip-Rep... Go ahead. Okay, the, the one thing that Dip-Rip uh, could never get right, and the one thing that I assume Shift will never get right, 
is the uh, friction-based latency in the source engine. Good luck with that. That is going to be one hell of a motherfucker crack. Well, this is more third person, though, isn't it? Like, you know, it's more like... No, 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 no. It doesn't matter about that. It, it matters about spinning things hitting solid ground. Mm-hmm. When that friction is caused, that's what we're going to see. And uh, the only reason why uh, Eternal Silence got around it is because they don't have any spinning objects and they don't have it friction like based it's all space based so, so they don't have to actually we should, do we should make a racing game in space <laughs> no the only reason um half-life rally was ever successful is because it's not friction based you're basically a dude yeah, with a car skin well, running you're, yeah, you're that's, assuming that's that like, half-life was ever successful half-life rally was ever successful which is not true it was. i enjoyed it i loved it it wasn't well, well, first of all it was miserable to play set ball their pr was Bar that a firearm source, terrible, and they oh, I got an email already. They quit. <laughs> they didn't even finish their game. They just anyways, set up. Anyways, anyways, closing thoughts on the shift mod here was another another interesting part. They have a community spotlight where they're gonna shout out to a community member that did um themselves a pretty good uh, service. So uh, Jay Holy Big Jesus is a talented three D modeler who joined the team in perfect time to um at the perfect time, it's kind of, I think they're getting into a feature creep, so having that revitalization of having assets member join your team is really awesome. Mm-hmm. So, um, he, um, he, uh, they're just kind of highlighting him, and unfortunately he had an accident, and he's in the hospital now, so they just kind of want to draw the attention to that. So hopefully, mm. hopefully he does, hopefully he recovers, full recovery, and um, keep an eye Wait, on that. Wait, what happened to him? He got in a car accident. Isn't yeah. it sort of See, ironic? That irony. Like I've never, heard, I've never heard of the guy before, and I don't even know if the car accident was his fault. But whenever I hear a story like this, it just bums me out. Yeah. Like you, you watch the news, and you know millions of people die every day, and who really cares? But when you hear like a modder dies, it's kind of like oh. Yeah. Actually, um, if you want to talk about that, there was a. Uh... Uh, one of the members of ModDB actually passed away the other day. Um, he was responsible for a lot of RTS mods that appear on ModDB. Um, so yeah, it's just he he died uh, out of the blue too. He basically uh, fainted and fell down a flight of stairs. What? Why? Why do we mm. fill that commiseration with with people we don't even really know? I feel because... sorry more for this guy than I did for Michael Jackson. Oh, no one cared about Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson. Was just... No, I know, <laughs> but you know, like the amount of publicity he got, you would think. The, but the reason they got him that much publicity was so they could cover up the whole healthcare thing in America. <laughs> like, oh, they, they didn't want to do, the last thing they wanted to do was actually have to do any real news reporting, so they just covered a dead guy. So. Anyway, um, back to the actual mod itself. Um, I want to make another note that the shift guys, if they are listening, they are really, really work in the ModDB system. And I'm going to say that that's in a good way. I mean, they're making some really beautiful-looking PR uh, news posts. Um, for example, just looking at the one they've posted now, and they've taken full example of the fact that, uh, of the, you know, white white space and, uh, you know, equality and whatnot, and it actually looks really, really good. So kudos to those guys. Um, right. If anyone's listening and does do stuff on ModDB, you need to take notice of these guys as well as Modular Combat. Uh, Matt and I are looking at their, 
Wait a sec, Matt and I are looking at their ModDB page, and if you click videos, look at what their most recent video is. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a minute and 39 audio clip of the Podcast 17 saying this mod will be bad. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, guys. Nice well, one. Uh, well, should I re-record it in HD for them? We can do that. I'm... I'm I think really what Dave said. I think yeah, I'm excited too. But I think what Dave said about uh, you know the friction-based thing, they're gonna have to somehow get over that, and I'm interested well, to see how they're gonna get over that. Here's the here's the thing. Half Life Rally did it with Half Life One. Dipper did it with Half Life Two. I'm fully I'm I'm not doubting their ability to essentially rewrite the game's code to allow cars to drive around properly. Actually, what Dipper I'm saying never is, really did it. It's still a problem with Dipper. Right, well, what I'm saying is, there are games out there where their sole purpose is to be racing games, and it doesn't work online because it's just the way online works. Our factor I play religiously is work online. The only racing type that works online is Rally. And the reason is, A, because you can circumvent, circumvent collision completely because, really, you're not supposed to be on the same track. And secondly, because the... F- the, the the physics, although it would seem more difficult, are a lot easier to code for rally than, say, street racing. Because then you have to then you have to do coefficients really of kinetic friction and static friction and all that stuff. Whereas you always just have kinetic friction in rally games, and you're essentially sideways the entire time. And it's more fast paced, and it holds people who would rather otherwise not like racing games. It holds their attention much more. I'm so you know what's a good half-hatched racing? Another thing that's going huh? to the attention of non-racers is that Shift is going to be a story game. It's not going to be entirely focused on the racing. <sighs> that's exactly what we want to hear. How many racing games do you know of that have good stories? Wow. Is there any? Nope. Gone in 60 seconds starring <laughs> that guy who's bold. Vin Diesel. Him. Exactly. And this is more like a Fast and the Furious type, apparently. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's not... Unless they're battling cancer or heart disease and the end of the world is coming, I don't see it being good. Unless they take a completely silly approach and instead of trying to be serious, be funny. But I doubt that because mod teams usually don't do that. So, you know, if they, um, yeah, yeah. If they make it like um, Creed's climbing and that type of racing, it'll be win. Well, I just, I promise you, they. They're not going to make it realistic because the Half-Life 2 engine is not capable, but they're not going to make it arcadey because the games just are, do not have the wherewithal to make an arcade game. They just take themselves too seriously. So I don't see... And I'm, I'm someone who primarily likes racing games. If you had to tell me you can only play one type of game for the rest of your life, I'd pick racing. But I just don't see it working. I'm sorry. Make a mod for... You, your name is Tommy life. Angelo, and you're a sl- you came to the city looking to get rich quick. You uh, work your way out from the slums and take over the city by street racing. Mm. Is that yeah, actually a... from the site? No, that's no, that's me the... making shit up. <laughs> the, uh, okay, well, the story I, I is think... about this guy who comes to a town and take um, gets involved in the underground racing scene and then uncovers secret about a big corporation. So the whole mod is about trying to take down a big corporation. By driving. By, I don't know. There's probably some sort of showdown at the end where you have to race, and if you win the race, you get the keys to the really cool car. Hey, you know what this reminds me of? Speed <laughs> race! 
The only way I see this working, and I will give them this, is if they somehow incorporate, like, street, like, fighting on the streets with guns against gangs or something, where you get out of the car and actually, like, do drive-bys and get out and shoot so people like in the Grand face. Theft Auto is essentially what you're asking for. It kind of looks like that's that's how they might go. If, if I think if he plays it right, it could be a very interesting game. Yeah. I just think well, so. Yo, Doug, I heard you like to drive, so I put a driving wheel in the driving seat so you can drive while you're driving. <laughs> I, I just, I, I'm going to remain skeptical because, yeah. Well, I hope, I hope the mod developer understands where we're coming from, though, and why we're being skeptical. And that's yeah, because street racing and racing games generally on the Half-Life engine, Half-Life 1, Half-Life 2, no matter what, just have really never worked, with the exception of HL Rally and bumper cars. Well, I, I don't, let's just say I don't think Half-Life Rally ever worked either, so. That's because you're a big dopey guy who hates everything, except for me. You love me. I don't hate everything. Just, um, let, let, me, let me put it straight. I don't want Shift to fail. I just know that they will. <laughs> and they have their next audio clip. <laughs> that's, that's, that's it. Uh, I'm sorry. Just say that MoDB takes no affiliation with Emmanuel and his screwed up thoughts. <laughs> neither, neither does Podcast 17. Podcast 17 does not take any affiliation with Emmanuel. Well, let's establish something here. Okay. For one, they Half-Life Rally, you say succeeded. Tell me, dear Dave, how long did it take them to from inception to release? How long, to get it done? How, how long did that take? As long as it wasn't four years, I don't think it matters. Five. Five years. Five years. I think I think Half-Life Rally was a pretty long development cycle. Okay. I was there. I was in that IRC channel. They disappointed me. Diablo was the worst PR manager of all time. I know about Half-Life Rally. I wish I didn't. But and five years is a failure to me. For what they released, like I was expecting, you know, the solution to to brain hemorrhaging. But all I got was some Advil. It, it just does not count. It, it five years is not fair. That's you're you're putting off your your players and essentially taking too long. So if they don't finish in two, then I consider it a failure. Period. Ark says in chat, um, Empire's fixed the vehicle code. And uh, in, in essence, it did, actually. Now that he brings that up, it's interesting. Oh, yeah, Empire's too. Good point. Mm. They, they do have really good vehicle code. The only thing is about Empire's, though, is um, if you're not like in a Jeep or something, if you're in a tank, you're really stationary. It's not really something that you're racing around a track. You're just essentially getting to point A to point B in a little faster mode with a giant gun. So I think it, it works in a little bit differently than uh, you know how uh, Eternal Silence handles it. Because Eternal okay, Silence guys, if, if you want to experience this latency for yourself, go into a Gary's Mod server, yeah, spawn one of those goddamn cars, drive around in it, and then just witness the utmost failure that it creates. Well, there, there are some very ingenuitive people out there, Dave, so I'm sure that there's a way around it. It's just... But from mod to, keep in mind, this is going to be a mod in which the primary focus is the driving. So although Empires did it well, it's not the focal point, whereas this is for this mod. So. We're ignoring a very key issue, though, and that is Half-Life 2 has vehicle code. You know, that's very, something very different than what Half-Life 1 had. Half-Life 1 didn't have any vehicle code. And the vehicles, uh -huh. like the airboat and the, the buggy in Half-Life 2 work pretty well, actually. But, but let, let's, don't forget, Vampire Slayer had, um, motorcycles. Yeah. 
Okay. I'm just saying, if they did, if they, that's a mod who didn't even really care about the vehicles, but had motorcycles. So. Do you guys remember the the time when Counter Strike had vehicles? Yeah. God, that was fun though. I rem- I that enjoyed was, that. That was fun. I remember playing in like just like circle maps. And just picking up guns in the middle, and everybody would be just driving around in circles. Dude, train fighting, like <sighs> fighting on top of trains. Yeah. While they're moving. No, Pistol those strikes. Are, to do those that. are fun Counter Strike days. Anyway, we got to move on with the show. And. Uh... Oh, wait, can I can I can I just give one ultimatum or just one one thing to shift? Don't okay. insult the Jews then. No. Please. Without insulting Jewish people, if if you can show me in the next two years. A video of a car that looks reasonably good with the proper lighting, driving through a street with the proper driving physics that you you intended, and it can go through a like one of those fruit stands like you see in the movies and blow up like all the watermelons and crush the box boxes without dropping the two frames a second, without it being pre-rendered, I will I will contest that you did a good job and the game be fun. But if you can't drive through a bunch of watermelons, then it doesn't count. Would you like it to also suck your penis? Well, I, I think it's reasonable that you should be able to essentially play. I mean, think about it. The only reason you play Counter-Strike Source is to kill the, the watermelons in Italy. <laughs> For me, maybe, me. yeah. <laughs> okay, moving Actually, on. It's to troll and kill monsters, but anyway, go on. Moving on. Um... Topping off articles and ending articles is actually something interesting that I found. It's uh, it's called FPS with real guns, and the the YouTube video they actually edited it. They said it used to say this time on Waterloo Labs, which is a lab group in Texas. Um, we are playing Half Life with a suppressed 22 pistol using accelerometers in lab view. Um, they've edited edited their post to say this time at Waterloo Labs we were playing Half Life, the Flash version at least, because before it didn't say the Flash version. There's clearly like a Flash <laughs> version, but this is something really actually interesting. They set up. Like, at a shooting range, they set up, like, this concrete block and put accelerometers behind it, and it picks up the vibrations of where somebody shoots, like, a real suppressed pistol at the screen. They have a projector up, and it can pick up, you know, where where the gun is hitting the wall. It's actually pretty Actually, uh, William, I watched this, and I honestly have to say that the guy who shot the gun failed. Like, <laughs> hardcore. Like, like okay, um... It must have been maybe just the uh, the the material they were using, but uh, it didn't really vibrate that much. And it, without the fancy editing, I reckon if you just shot it, like with the camera pointing at it, he would have missed just about all of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Nick makes another really sh- What's that? It really showed it off because when I, I worked it out because when they started getting the shovels out, yeah, and doing it, they was just like hitting them. And it was like doing it instantly, and I was just like, oh, oh, failure. <laughs> it was just interesting to see. I like these sort of like experiments. And it was like a, it was like a cheesy Bill Nye episode. That was sort of the best part of the whole video. I love how they're shooting a gun at night time too, which is like a big no-no <laughs> as well. But Anyway, so that's the article. I mean, there's not much else to say about that. It's a cool little video to watch. Next is Topic of the Week, and this is something that I have been working closely with Philip on, and his site really isn't working right now for me, but uh, not closely with Philip, but I I helped edit, I edited it, his article, 
It's called uh, Ghost in the Machine, right? Ghost in the Ghost in the Game. So it's called Ghost in the Machine. Um, and basically, what he's doing is he's sort of looking at um, sort of philosophical look at you know how you become immersed in video games and you know how it affects the human psyche. And he goes into things like the concept of dualism, the uh, it in popular culture, so you know like the Matrix. And then he goes into gaming like Neuromancer. Um, I've been playing Tron, which is another thing. Ghost in the Machine. Um, he talks about some of the mods that he actually had on his um, on his website that he's been covering recently. He goes into virtual worlds, and then he goes into uh, one step further. So he actually quotes me in there. <laughs> he says that you edited it. Yeah. So it's actually an interesting little thing about, uh, I guess, immersion. Because we had a talk about Robert the other day about immersion. Yeah, it's a good thing Robert is in here, right? <laughs> he might be twitching. Mm -hmm. well, but he I, worked I think... really hard on this, so I don't know. I don't know if anybody had a chance to read it yet. But if you haven't, yeah, read I read it, it. Please, please read it and uh, you know, sort of post your thoughts on what you think, because I... Philip really worked hard on this. We we went over it with uh, Robert last week in a podcast, and I I think. It was one of the only times where we had an argument or a debate where both sides had valid points, and I'm, you know, it didn't end in a shit fest. So if you get the chance to listen to the podcast and hear what Robert had to say, and he's right, it, games are not movies or books. Games are games, and specifically, games should not try to be immersive, I guess. But for me and William, I think too, we prefer these types of games for some odd reason. So stories, stories, and we we feel invested in the stories and. We like we like to feel as if we're there in a way, so. You know what? I'm going to say two words: mm -hmm. uncanny valley. Yeah, that's really what it's, I was thinking that too. Yeah, someone said uh, they're interviewing uh, the MythBusters, and um, I think Jamie said, no matter how good CG gets, you can never replicate atoms mashing against atoms, and you'll always be able to tell the difference, and. I hate to say it, I think within our lifetime, that's probably true. CG will never get that good within our lifetime because as we see, processing power grows exponentially, but the what we use it for doesn't. Like our coding expertise and the things we do with the software doesn't, so it just, I just, it's kind of sad, but maybe we'll change the way we play games, you know, maybe we'll have like visors where we're just, you know, you actually no. just see. No, games will never change beyond the uh, standard controllers. You think and, it'll always uh, be keyboard, mouse, screen? Dude, yeah. There's no other way to do it. I really? think, think that it's not going like, to change. Like, 100 years from now, Dave, do you think we'll still be doing the same thing? Yeah, I honestly do. I, don't, I, I think in the real world, you know, like when you're on a train, yes, you'll still have a DS. But at home, I think entertainment systems will get to a point where They'll have immersion well, systems or something to that effect where do you, you think it would get to the point where we, we we basically get home, we sit in a chair, and then we just go numb? <laughs> no, that that'll never. I, I don't think that'll happen. I I don't think people will ever trust anything like that. If you watch Ghost in the Shell, maybe you know that where they plug in and then they're just kind of taken over, maybe. But see, uh, the I, reason why I say that it's never going to disappear is because. We have hands for a reason. They are used to interact with things. It is just the way that we are 
it's our primitive nature to use our hands to make boomerangs or like stone spears you know it's it's the way that we are it's the way that we evolved and uh you know if it ever gets to the stage where we never have to use our arms again i think i would rather be dead to be honest i think in, in formula uh, okay, one like for example uh, if i can interact with a game with my mind all right yeah what does that say about everything else around me Ooh, you're getting deep now, Dave. Think about this. If I'm wearing a brain cap and I can only think on the game, okay. what's going to happen to everything else that goes around me? Well, if you'll I have an external game, alert or something where... No, no, no. If, Hang on. Listen to this, Emmanuel. If, if I'm controlling the game and then for one instant I stop controlling the game, what happens then? Well, you you have options to leave, and when I listen to my MP3s on my phone, you know, if I get a call, it'll pause the MP3 and, and ring. So you know, there's that's just a technicality they'll work through. I'm talking about continual focus. Now, can you think? Okay, try this. Think of the number one right now. Everyone who's listening, think of the number one. Okay. Think of nothing else. Of just the number one. What did you think of? William, what did you think of? I was thinking about thinking about the number one. Exactly. See, you can't think directly on to the number one. When you think of the number one, I think of like the shape, number one. Yeah. When other people think of number one, they think of one object. You can never think of one thing. You can never think of one as anything else other than what you already know one to be. So if you try to control a game with your mind, it'll be basically like you'll be so you have to be so goddamn focused on that you would have to be like a, a fucking your IQ must be like incredibly high to do that. No, like I meditation disagree. takes years and years and years to get down. I'm okay. interested to see what what Microsoft is going to do. Aren't they doing that brain thing or something? I I I disagree because I've got a a. Um, a niece with uh, Asperger's, and she will, if she wants ice cream, that's it. Nothing matters. She only thinks about ice cream. She'll draw pictures of ice cream, she'll eat ice cream, that's it. So I think the human brain is perfectly capable of that. We're just going to adapt. If you tried giving a mouse and keyboard to a Victorian, you know, queen, and they tried to use it to play Call of Duty, they would just be a mess, whereas, you know, we've adapted and, and we're pretty much just as good with a gun in a game as we would be in real life. Getting to that so point, I, th I think it'd be interesting. It's an interesting thing to say that it, it would be how the people develop the game, mm -hmm. how they develop the controls of how to mind control the game. So getting to... There's actually um, already been instances of brain control in a game, basically, like, you still need to... Um, use the controller to move your character around but uh, you can actually yeah. use brain do you guys see that like Mattel waves. toy do you guys see that Mattel toy where you have to raise the little ball with your mind it's like the force it simulates the force in Star Wars and uh, <laughs> if you think about something it, the way it works is if you think about anything like really hard so you can think about potatoes you don't have to think about raising the ball but if you think about anything hard it'll generate some brain stimulus and it'll turn the fan in the little thing, and it'll raise the ball. And they've had some people from, like, uh, the New York Times and stuff like that try it out. 
and they were, uh, and they said it worked actually pretty well. You can think about anything though, but I see what you're saying, Dave, because it's really objective. You know, me thinking about for moving forward might be completely different than somebody else thinking about moving forward. Well, let me let me posit something to you about this topic. In there was a great driver by the name of Formula One. I mean, not not Formula One. Uh, Ayrton Senna back in the early '90s who drove in Formula One, and he set a record lap time on I think might have been the Brazilian track. And keep in mind, we're talking about two seconds beating everyone else in a car that was just as fast. And they'd asked him, "How did you do this?" And he said he was so focused on the task at hand that he he wasn't driving. He was seeing things two or three corners in advance. And keep in mind, these are, these are drivers who are clutching, accelerating, braking, switching gears, um, adjusting brakes and throttle positions and, and all that stuff all at once. So we're talking about, and, and actually rally was the same way. We're talking about people who have all these external functions that they're doing in hundreds of seconds, these calculations, and they're not even thinking about it. So and I, I think that's a good example of how you can focus on one thing and have everything else just be, you know, just something that, that just comes naturally. It, do, you, do you really want to focus that hard, or do you want, like, a video oh, game yeah. to be that much of a there's, there is one major flaw in that example, huh. Emmanuel. And you know what that is? Hmm. I'd like, to, I'd like to see what you think, what the major flaw in that is. See if oh, you, you can don't recognize think it. You forget that you're in a game and that it's just virtual reality? No, 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 no. no. He is a professional driver. His life is driving. Now, if you were to market a game that took but absolutely there's... no control and only used your brainwaves to control, how would a normal person control? Right, that game? but if you look, there's an actual, there's an example, there's a very, very, very light condition of it that everyone experiences in the real world. Do you know what it is? Do you know what the name is? No. Enlighten me. It's called highway hypnosis, and if you drive on a highway for extended amounts of time, it becomes an involuntary reaction where you don't realize you're doing it, and if you try and think back to five or ten minutes ago, you don't even remember driving. So people are throttling and steering in the same way. God, that's like my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know what, I, was, I don't know what game I was playing five minutes ago either. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying, people do it to a light degree, so the... It, Every human is capable of it, of turning off all these external um, interactions and just doing them, you know, basically. And, and the, the, the way to think of it is, when you come up on a corner, you have to downshift, clutch, brake, and then rev match. Well, you don't think in your brain, okay, left foot here, right foot here, press, like that. You just think in your mind, okay, I need a brake. And the natural reaction is to push your foot down. So I'm sure in, over time you'll condition the same things w when you control whatever device it is to, to play a game. Mm -hmm. So Anyway, I think we should move on because we're topping out at two hours and we still got Phil's question. So this is the last thing of the episode. I'm going to queue up the question right now. And, okay, uh, how are we going to listen to it? Yeah, I'll play it through Skype so everybody can hear it. Okay. Hi, Philip here with poll question 135. Would you prefer bad voice acting or no voice acting? At least with bad voice acting, it shows that the model was trying to tell a story. <laughs> so this is actually stemmed from the question uh, from something that we came up with last week when we were interviewing Radiator. And I, I remember Emmanuel saying 
even bad voice acting is better than no voice acting. Remember that, Emmanuel? Yeah. So, I don't know. We know how you feel, I guess. <laughs> well, uh, okay, here's an example of bad voice acting. This is a 13-year-old kid trying to scream while his mother is in the next room. <laughs> oh no, a monster. <laughs> Don't eat my brain. Okay, that's bad voice acting. Now, if you want good voice acting, which will engage you in the story, that's a completely different thing. Bad voice acting just makes you laugh makes you cry, makes you turn off the game, and makes you go, what the fuck? Did I just download 60 megabytes of fucking 13-year-old boy screaming into a microphone? Yeah. I think I agree with you. Yeah, I think I agree with you 100%. I'd rather have, uh, I'd rather have no voice acting than bad voice acting. Matt? I want voice acting. <laughs> well, you're dealing with voice acting right now, Modular Combat. Yes, we are, and it's my voice. My voice actor, she's she's good, but she can't get the exact tones we need for certain things. So I'm doing post processing on her tone for it. Right. For Glados, the Glados voice. But even then, I'd rather I'd rather be able to take a leap of faith in a game on bad voice acting. Then like have it told through text or some other means. Now this brings up another point, which is I think a more important question than the one Philip just asked, which is, okay, would you have voice acting, right? Just normal voice acting, mm -hmm. or would you have voice acting with a crap script? Now the difference being is like, okay, you got the same voice actor for both instances, right? If the crap, if the script is fucking terrible, like we're saying, like you could have the most Western thing, Western Western guy talking U.S. right, talking U.S. speak, and you get into this this stage. Say you like playing like I don't know, some sort of uh, military game where you're like some guy and you got to go kick down a door, and the guy goes, "Okay, soldier." It's your turn to, you know, bust down this door. And instead of doing a nap, he's like, okay, soldier, kick that door now. Now, would that get on your nerves, or would it be like, would you, would the more natural solution be the better one, or would you suffice with the crappy voice scripting? This is, this is an odd, well, not an odd talk, but it's difficult. I, I, I've always felt that there's no such thing as bad voice acting, just not enough time. Because if you do something, if you do it enough, like if you sit down over one line for eight hours, you're bound to get it right eventually. Just by the theory of probability, you're accidentally going to get it right at least once. So that's just voice acting. Yeah. What's that? I deal with um, I deal with a lot of a lot of spoken word performance poets and actors, who we we will go over the same thing for hours on end, trying it different ways. And one way that you might do it one time will definitely not be the way that you do it when you're performing it. But it's, it's going to be different for everyone else. For everyone else. If, what I'm trying to say is um, the way you perform it might, might touch different people. Like, bust that door down might, might affect a, um, an American. Well, kick that door in might be you know, someone on the West Coast or someone in Russia would be like, yeah, I'll kick that damn door in. 
true. Okay, well, here's a good example. Armor 2 has an automated uh, enemy spotting system, which is like, enemy, man, 300 meters to our left. And it's exactly like that. That's how it fucking sounds in the game. Armor, and the voice acting is, is good. Like, but it is, it's useful information, but god damn, is it a fucking pain in the ass to listen to. Yeah, Especially when it's like, enemy meter, 300 meters to our left, and it's like straight yeah. away, again, 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 again. But you know, you know if they didn't segment those audio sa samples and play them in certain patterns, then the mod It's a good example, be, though, but... The mod like, could be 20 example, times um, the size of it. The game would be 20 times the size as it is now. You know, oh yeah, I'm just using it as an example. Like for example, if 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 that's how a game audio came across, no matter how good the voice actor is, that would piss me right off, and I'll turn that off so quickly. Portal I wouldn't stand for that. Yeah, it's a good one. Amazing mod, horrible, horrible, over voiceovers. Like they used the text to speech engine, and that was the biggest complaint about the mod. It was just god awful. Mm -hmm. Well, but at the same time, I, I'd still want I'd still want those voiceovers. What uh, what came up last week though was, you know, is overlay text even worse than bad voice acting? And I think that yeah. question also exists as well. Having text just print right in the middle of your screen, is that any better than bad voice acting? I, I think we can agree yes, because as Philip said earlier. Um, there's so there's way better ways to do it. For instance, research and development, instead of just putting text in your stream, that would have seemed really cheesy. You know, they had the laptops there, which is really cool. It, they built it into your environment. So, right, Dave. Well, you can go to the left of a dead root and just have fucking stories written in cave walls or some shit. Uh, I, th I think it all comes down to the writing. If the writing is really really good, it's not going to matter how you present it. Mm -hmm. Just as long as well, you do, you do it well. I, I have if, to whether disagree. Whether it's text writing on the wall or voiceover, if, if you do it and, and it's not completely horrible, if the writing is really good, it'll, it'll come through. I have to disagree. I think, I think good voice acting can save bad dialogue, but I don't think bad dialogue can be, be saved. saved I mean, what's that? I said can be saved by good voice acting. I, I sort of agree, too. Yeah, I don't think, like, if you have to say, like, welcome to this town, partner, I, no matter how you say that, it's going to sound retarded if it's said in the context of Half-Life 2 canon or, you know, in eternal silence. It's, it's you have to, I don't think you can say that. Whereas if you have, I don't know. I, but I think like this, if, if you're making a mod and you've got these great modelers and great mappers and all these great texture artists, but you have no coder, do you continue your mod or do you find, you know, a good coder? I think you shouldn't just skimp on voice acting. I think it's, I would say in some cases, just as important as a coder or someone who, like a mapper. Because although it's not integral to the mod, you can't have the mod without it. Yes, the same could be said for cars. You can have cars without air conditioning. Would you drive one in Florida? No. It's, you, I think it's not integral, but it is important. Very, very important. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I think we. That, no, I, can, I, can, I can agree with what Emmanuel said there. Yeah. I think we've beaten the horse of this entire podcast this week. Actually, yeah. it's we've logged the horse. I, I, I can good. say we we've been on this pod we've done we've done this podcast for now two hours. Two hours and right, minutes. but what portion of it was about mods? Maybe ten <laughs> or fifteen minutes. In fact, with that said, I think I think since Matthew is here, 
and his main focus in life isn't modding. We should hear what his main focus in life is. I'm I'm a spoken word poet, and outside outside of modding, this is this is what I do. And I'm assuming William wants me to do a poem. Yep, I do something happy, maybe. Okay. You're kidding. Roses are red, violets are blue. Podcast seventeen is pretty good too. Yay. <laughs> if, oh, no, God. if he's doing his, I'm doing mine. Oh my God. Yeah. Should we? I don't know. Should, I guess we should ask the listeners. Listeners, do you want Matthew to do a poem? Uh, let the, let, I think we should do the poem for the listeners, but that should be after the, the podcast. We should keep the pod. This has already been a pretty digressive podcast. We should say goodbye and we should, we should get the Yeah, and then let the listeners, live listeners, because we need to start giving bonuses to the live listeners. We can't just let people download the podcast. We need to partake. That's true. That's true. You know what? I'm going to make a stand right here. If you haven't tuned into the live stream, well, you're going to miss out on Matthew's awesome poetry skills. Oh, snap. There you go. How do you like that? All right. So, so with that now, said... Dick move, William. Dick move. This, this is the part where we say farewell, right? Yes. Farewell. So with that, goodbye. Goodbye. Farewell. Bonsoir. Au See you next Fat week. Fat penis. Tune in every week, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard or Eastern Delta Time. Um, negative five GMT, and uh, you can tune into podcast seventeen. Tune back to podcast seventeen, Delta four six eight on Sundays. Yeah.